theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. tell you why we're the fastest growing church in Canada I'm a prophesy you said it there'll be an extraordinary church in Toronto in Etobicoke in Milton in Brampton in Oakville in Burlington there'll be more extraordinary churches all over because as long as there's one person who doesn't know Jesus Christ the church is too small Praise God. All right. I've said all that, but don't worry. You're not going to stand long because my scripture is this short. In Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read to you out of the New King James today. Philippians chapter 4 and 4. Super short. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Praise God. And I want to preach this thought to you this afternoon, taking off the shackles, taking off the shackles. Would you help me pray before you're seated? Father, we love you and we're so thankful for your presence in this place. I pray that you would utilize me today as the mouthpiece of heaven for this local assembly. I pray that every heart and mind would be open, including mine, God, to receive what you have for us today. Help us to be free and to walk in the freedom you have called us to and given us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Clap those hands unto the Lord. And then, you know, typically we like to hug and high-five, but we can't do that in this COVID environment. Before you're seated, just make eye contact with somebody. Make eye contact. Let them know. Let them know you see them. Let them know you see them. And then I'm making eye contact for all those that are watching online. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story about Charlie Plum. Charlie Plum, uh, at age 24, he was flying really, really high. As a matter of fact, he was a top gun pilot during the Vietnam War. He had flown 74 successful missions and only five days left before his tour was completed, something happened that changed his life dramatically. On Charlie Plum's, uh, on his 75th mission, he remembered that it was a beautiful day in Vietnam. The sky was bright and blue filled with puffy clouds, kind of similar to today, although there aren't many clouds in the sky. Soaring away from the carrier Kitty Hawk, he remembered thinking, I'm the best of the best. I'm probably bulletproof. Enemy fire ended all those delusions of his invincibility. He and his co-pilot just managed to eject from the cockpit. Their parachutes opened and they came down and landed in enemy territory. 90 seconds, Charlie said. 90 seconds between being the top gun of the sky and now a prisoner of war. He would stay in the so-called Hanoi Hilton for six years. He returned home at the end of the war. Charlie Plum, graduate of the Naval Academy in Annapolis, where he finished in the half of the class that makes the top half possible. A silver star, two purple hearts, a bronze star, the Legion of Merit, and the POW medal. He's now author of the book, 
I'm no hero. Sought after speaker. But things weren't so glamorous in Hanoi. Tortured for two days. Interrogated. Broken. Humiliated. Crying. Charlie was thrown into an eight by eight cell. His home literally for the next six years. Three steps. Pivot. Three steps. Pivot. Three steps. Pivot. Three steps, pivot for six years. Days went by, more torture. Weeks went by, more torture. Down to 115 pounds. Three steps, pivot. Three steps, pivot. 27 boils on the front of his body, more on his back. Bleeding from four open wounds. Three steps. Pivot. Three steps. Pivot. Then he heard a chirping noise. Sounded like a cricket. He located the noise and it was a piece of wire that was just about four inches long. It was coming from a hole in the cell wall. It scratched the floor of his cell making a noise sounding like a cricket. And on the other end of the wire he realized it must be a fellow prisoner. He reached for the wire and Tugged it three times. One, two, three. You know what happened? The person on the other end tugged back. One, two, three. He tugged four times. One, two, three, four. Waited, and the wire disappeared. For an hour, he said, I waited. Then the wire came back with a note. How are you doing, buddy? The note read, and then it said, you know what your biggest problem is? Charlie was shocked. Here he is, 115 pounds, no clothes except the piece of cloth wrapped around his waist. Bleeding, starving to death, humiliated, and the fellow prisoner of war had the unmitigated gall to ask him, do I know what my problem is? The note continued, listening to you over there. It sounds like you're suffering from a fairly common disease that can kill you if you don't catch it in time. Charlie, with a crude pencil, wrote a note back. What's the name of this disease? Maybe I know something about it. Back and forth, the conversation went, writing with crude pencils on pieces of toilet paper, sending it from cell to cell wrapped around a piece of wire. And the guy responded and said, around here, we call the disease prison thinking. Charlie said, prison thinking. Roger, it's where you think you're a prisoner. Charlie thought, what kind of idiot have they put me next to? Of course I'm a prisoner. But Charlie also realized he'd rather be talking to an idiot than talking to himself. So he said, tell me more about this prison thinking. The reply came back, well, when a guy gets shot down, the normal red-blooded American thing for him to do is to start feeling sorry for himself and blaming everyone else. You go into this woe is me mode of life. Woe is me, poor mama Plum's little boy. Little Charlie is a long way from home in a communist prison camp. 
You get a bushel of pity and then just wallow in it. Then you start blaming everybody you can think of. You blame the president for sending you over there. You blame Congress for appropriating the money. You blame the mechanic for putting you in the airplane. You blame your mother for giving birth to you. The problem with this, of course, is that when you start blaming other people for your misfortune, you suddenly give them control over your life, end quote. You know, a, a, a famous prisoner is actually speaking to us this afternoon. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. There are famous prisoners all in the Bible. Consider Daniel tucked away in a lion's den. Consider Jeremiah trapped in the bottom of a well or a pit. Consider David captured by the Philistines. But now we have Simon Peter also in prison. There's a long list of them, but I don't think any of them were as famous as the Apostle Paul. In fact, Paul called himself a prisoner of the Lord. That's how often he was in jail. His name, and in this case, listen to this. I want you to check this out. His time in prison was marked with severe beatings. Listen to what took place in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I'm going to read through 28. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Oh. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to even keep me warm and look at verse 28 then besides all this i have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches yeah paul went through a lot if he hadn't we wouldn't have the incredible book called ephesians we wouldn't have colossians we wouldn't have philemon and the beautiful story of Onesimus, the runaway slave. We wouldn't have the book that I read from you today, Philippians, because he wrote that from a Roman prison cell. But I want you to notice who he wrote to with the Philippians. They are the inhabitants of Philippi, a city in Greece named after King Philip, father of Alexander the Great. Philippi, where Paul had been 10 years earlier. Stick with me. And where Paul and Silas had been beaten, but at midnight they sang praises. See, they weren't sick with prison thinking. We're free. 
We're free, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I want to challenge you because if some of us aren't careful, what COVID has done, it has allowed us to adopt an imprisoned mentality when the reality of it is you and I are free because Jesus Christ died and rose himself on the third day to set us free. So no matter what the government says, I want you to know that you are free, free to give him praise, free to rejoice choice free to lift him up free to be free from an imprisoned mentality that says you can't go somewhere that says you can't do this I'm here to let you know that God has set you free it's time for us to take the shackles off and walk in the victory God has given us it's time for us to walk in the authority God has given us it's time for us to experience miraculous signs and wonders it's time to take the shackles off if you're ready to do that give him praise if you're ready to do that bless his name if you're ready to do that somebody shout hallelujah Praise God. We're free. And Paul says to the Philippians, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again, rejoice. So I want to share with you a few things that God wants to loose you from this afternoon. He wants to loose you from the thinking of fear. Earlier this morning, I read this. In any given year, one in five Canadians experience a mental illness or addiction problem. By the time Canadians reach 40 years of age, one in two, 50%, have or have had a mental illness. 70% of mental health problems have their onset during childhood or adolescence. Young people aged 15 to 24 are more likely to experience mental illness and or substance use disorders than any other age group. And 34%, it's greater than one-third, of Ontario high school students indicate moderate to serious levels of psychological distress manifesting itself in anxiety and depression. And 14% of that number indicate a serious level of psychological distress. Is, and, and some of you might be thinking, is that all? No. Because that's before COVID. People today bound by phobias. And you know what? If we're not, if we're not careful, I think fear is a symptom of prison thinking. The Bible says that fear has torment. There, there's bondage in fear. I need somebody to hear me this afternoon. There's bondage in fear. And in reading articles and remembrances by the POWs of the Vietnam War, which my father fought on the front lines, I'm struck by the fear tactics employed against them. And here's how the POWs made up their minds. They said things like, never let them see you sweat. I'll give you an example of one story that, uh, what, that, that was thrown at a, a young student at Annapolis. A young Annapolis student was being quizzed by an old sea captain. What steps would you take if a sudden storm came up on the starboard side? He responded, I throw out an anchor, sir. What would you do if another storm sprang up aft? I'd throw out an anchor, sir. But what if a third storm sprang up forward? I'd throw out another anchor, captain. Just a minute, 
son, the captain said, where in the world are you getting all these anchors? And the student replied, from the same place you're getting all these storms. You see, for each storm, there's an anchor. Broken economy, Jesus. Addictions, Jesus. Heartbroken, Jesus. Lonely, Jesus. Jobless, Jesus. Experiencing loss of some sort, Jesus. I'm trying to tell you, Jesus is the anchor. No matter what you're up against, he'll deliver you. He'll give you peace. He'll give you hope. He is the answer. And if you know he's the answer, somebody ought to shout his name. Jesus. Jesus is my anchor. Jesus is my anchor. Paul tells us in Acts chapter 27, listen to this. He said, for last night, an angel of, of the God to whom I belong. I love how he personalizes his relationship. And whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. In other words, what he's saying is, you going to Rome. You going to Rome. He said, what's more? God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So, you know what? What I want you to understand is God had given Paul a word. And he said, you're going to Rome. They might have been shipwrecked, but they ended up on that island. Paul was able to comfort those folks and tell them, we're going to make it through this. I'm telling you right now, we are going to make it through COVID. As a matter of fact, we're coming through stronger than before. People might be wondering, but we, I'm not just prophesying it. We did grow during COVID-19, during the second lockdown. I'm telling you, God is growing his church. He's building his church. We, I give God praise. For we have had five receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we've had seven be baptized in Jesus' name. This year, we have already have a couple more scheduled. We have one scheduled next weekend, and then we got another scheduled the weekend after that. I'm telling you, God is moving in this place, and you are coming through this stronger. If you believe that, you ought to give him praise. I thought I'd get a better response than that from all of you. That was reason to shout and give him glory. I'm telling you, this is not a day that we've come to fear, but a day that we've come to watch God do his best work. Praise God. He's going to do his best work. What am I trying to do? You know what? We're loosed by faith. We're loosed by faith. I'm trying to get you loosed from these shackles that are trying to bind you. I'm trying to encourage and build up your faith so that you'll walk in the freedom and the power and the authority that he has. It's faith, Pastor Barry, that caused Daniel to rest. Are you hearing me in the lion's den? It's faith that causes Simon Peter to slumber on the eve of his death. It's faith that caused Paul and Silas to sing in the middle of midnight. God knows how to deliver the righteous. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Find yourself in a dilemma, God's got you. 
Find yourself with your back up against the wall, God's got you. Find yourself in a, with a quandary of questions, God's got you. Find yourself unsure and on unsettled footing. Look to the hills from which cometh your help, because your help draweth nigh. It is in Jesus Christ. And that was the message this fellow prisoner sent to Charlie Plum. He said, you have to have faith. Faith in God. Faith in your country. Faith in each other. Faith in yourself. You have to have faith. Look at Mark 4, 38. He said, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. <laughs> this is, I love how Mark recounts this. And he says, and they awoke and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We dying in this storm, Lord. And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, the things that the disciples saw should have eradicated the bondage of fear. Miracles of healing, provision, answers just in time. You need to understand your faith in Jesus, not your circumstances, determines your happiness and well-being. Your faith in Jesus, not in how much money you have, not in who likes you and who doesn't like you, not how many likes you got on Instagram or I don't know what you get on Snapchat. I'm so, I'm not saying I'm old. I'm young at heart, praise God. I just don't know about a Snapchat, uh, but I'm going to find out what you get, and then I'm going to act like I know what I'm talking about. Praise God. Andrea, what's it called? Score? Let's see. Boom. Wait till I drop that next time very naturally. Savagery is just going to roll off. She goes, Savagery, I'm, I'm, wait, do you follow people on Snapchat? Maybe you don't follow them on Snapchat. Let me stop talking about Snapchat. Let me figure it out first. But God wants to loose us from that. He wants to loose us from that. He wants to loose us from something else, too. He wants to loose us from bitterness. <laughs> Hear me. Paul could have been justifiably bitter. His ministry had been marked from one prison cell to the next. One catastrophe to the next. Yet, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice you know what happened when Charlie Plum was released? Check this out. He was released from Hanoi, and he was transported to Clark's Air Force Base in the Philippines. There he was allowed to call home. Can you imagine how that phone call went? He called, and he was excited. His wife didn't answer, though. So he called his parents. Mom, Dad, it's me, Charlie. I made it out. Six years. They wept. And cried. He said, Dad, where's my wife? His father answered, Son, we'll talk about that when you get home. Dad, I want to know now. I called her and she's not there. His father handed the phone to his mother because you didn't know what to say. Moms are just good with stuff like that. But she said, Charlie, I'd give anything not to tell you this. She got tired of waiting. She divorced you, and she's engaged to be married. So when Charlie returned home, his family attorney, his family and attorney, excuse me, said, hey, 
we're going to take her to the cleaners. You deserve it. You know what Charlie started doing? He started laughing. He was like, you're telling me that I have a right to be bitter. You're telling me that it's okay to hate. You don't understand. I've been in a six-year program at the University of Hanoi. I can't afford to be bitter. I'm going to forgive, forget it, and move on. Can I just help somebody today with something practical? God wants to release you from bitterness. You need to forgive and move forward. Don't hold somebody else in hostage because really you're not holding them hostage. You're holding yourself hostage. Just go ahead and say, God, by faith, I'm going to forgive them. Whether they knew what they were doing or not, how could they be so hateful? I'm going to forgive them. How could they touch me that way? God, by faith, I'm going to forgive them. How could they abandon me when they said they'd never leave me? I'm going to forgive them if not if you're not careful bitterness will eat away at your soul God wants to free you from that wants to free us from that prison Paul had to learn to forgive maybe that's why if you read in Philippians there are so many powerful statements I'm just going to give you like six Paul says I'm a prisoner of Christ he says for to me to live is Christ he said, my soul's purpose is to glorify Christ. He said, I need to abound in the love of Christ. He said, oh, that I may lay hold of the mind of Christ. He goes on to say that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. In other words, what he was saying is, that I may enroll in the University of Calvary. After all, he is the one who said, talking about Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is what the Lord meant when he said, come on, I've called Saul. He's going to suffer many things for my name's sake. See, life will provoke you at times. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. And if you ever had the moment, like, you know, there was a, uh, <laughs> uh, there was, we all have it. We're all human. So let's just say uh, you, somebody cut you off in traffic. I mean, you done lost it. You next thing you know, you, you speeding up trying to get next to them and they know you coming and you like this, trying to catch them and they driving fast and you got you, all the more, you like, and then you get up next to them and they trying to, and you know what? What happened before that? Because it wasn't that they cut you off. It wasn't that, they, you know, they were just a, a thousand proverbial straws on the camel's back. But this one happened to be 1,001. So, and you know, if we're not careful because of bitterness, God protect the person that crosses us the wrong way at the wrong time. We'll take it out on somebody else and they'll have nothing to do with it. Let me just help you. You can't enjoy today until you quit living in yesterday. You can't enjoy today, this moment, this present, until you let go of yesterday. 
I don't know about you. We've had, I don't have time. I could tell you stories. Well, we all could tell you stories. We have an invitation, and maybe justifiably so, to be bitter. But I chose a long time ago. You know what? I remember. I, I, I've told you all the one story where I was so angry at my father. If you don't know, i just tell you in 10 seconds. He got incarcerated, had to serve a mandatory minimum of 15 years. And I can remember God doing it. Let me just say this. He's a remarkable man. My hero was my hero before that, still my hero now, and just a fabulous guy. And uh, I didn't know how to do a lot of stuff, though, around the house, you know, outside. And so we bought some land and cutting grass, and I had never cut grass before. But we had, like, horses on our land. And so Sarah just encouraged me because I went out and got a push lawnmower. And it didn't even have, it wasn't even self-propelled, praise God. It took me, like, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to cut the grass. And uh, it really did, praise God, just because we had acres. Uh, and so I was telling my dad, and he was like, boy, what are you doing? Let me go on up and help you. And uh, when he came up there to help me, uh, all of a sudden, all of these emotions that I thought I had dealt with, bitterness just kind of hit me. And I was angry. I was really angry, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready to go knock him out. And I was like, but you know, the Lord spoke to me that day. And let me be clear, I don't think I would have knocked my dad out. <laughs> Praise God. I'd have been like this. But that's how angry I was. And I can remember, yeah. <laughs> He's probably watching, Dad, you know, ain't nothing but love. Ain't nothing but love. That's my man, big boy. I love that man. But. So I was like, man, and, and he, um, uh, and then the Lord just spoke to me and said, I can take that from you if you'll give it to me. And it was just like I saw, I felt like I saw his hand come on, come on down a ray of sunshine and just take that bitterness and anger right away from me. And you know what I did? I cut that grass with so much joy and that zero turn tractor that he had brought up to help out, help me out with. And next thing I was able to give my dad a big hug. And the reason why I thought about that is because I have to go back and see what year it was, but it was this week. Google reminds you, you know, the photos. It was like, look at your memories of this week. And I was like, man, isn't that something? But you know what? It was talking about memories. You know, yesterday was, we moved here three years ago yesterday. Praise God. God is moving. But you know what I decided to do? I decided to let it go. I'm encouraging you today to let it go. Take the shackles off. Here's the last thing you need to take the shackles off of, and we're done. You need to take the shackles off of prideful thinking. Pride is bondage. Let me tell you, pride is such bondage, it's wrapped in chains of ego and selfishness. It's incarcerated in the shackles of affluence, the prisons of prestige, jailhouses of self-importance. See, the apostle Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, the tribe of Benjamin, the student of Gamaliel, a member possibly of the Sanhedrin, now a prisoner. Paul has some coming down to do. Listen to what Charlie Plum said. This is all a true story. He and his second wife, Kathy, we're sitting in a restaurant. I like that name. That's my mom's name. And a man two tables away kept looking at me, Charlie said. I didn't recognize him. A few minutes into our meal, he stood up, walked over to the table, looked down at me, pointed his finger in my face, and said, you're plum. I looked up. I said, yes, sir. I'm plum. He said, you flew jet fighters in Vietnam. You were on the aircraft carrier, Kitty Hawk. 
You were shot down. You parachuted into enemy hands and spent six years as a prisoner of war. Charlie Plum said, how in the world do you know that? Gentleman replied and said, I'm the one that packed your parachute. Charlie Plum <laughs> staggered to his feet and held out a very grateful hand of thanks. And instead of shaking the man's hand, the man grabbed his arm. Charlie said, I'm speechless. And this guy came up with the proper words. He said, man, I guess it worked. Charlie Plum said, yes, sir, indeed it did. And I must tell you, he said, I've said a lot of prayers of thanks for your nimble fingers. But I never thought I'd have the opportunity to express my gratitude in person. So the guy said, well, were all the panels there? He said, well, sir, I must shoot straight with you. Of the 18 panels that were supposed to be in the parachute, I had 15 good ones. Three were torn, but it wasn't your fault. It was mine. I jumped out of that jet, a fighter jet at such a high rate of speed close to the ground that that's what tore the parachute panels off. It wasn't the way you packed it. Charlie goes on to say, I didn't get much sleep that night. I kept thinking about that man. I kept wondering what he might have looked like in a Navy uniform a Dixie cup hat, a bib in the back, and bell-bottom trousers. I wondered how many times I might have passed him on the board, the Kitty Hawk. I wondered how many times I might have seen him and not even said, good morning, how are you doing, or anything, because you see, I was a fighter pilot, but he was just a sailor. How many hours did he spend on that long wooden table in the bowels of that ship? weaving the shrouds and folding the silks of those chutes, doing a standard or even mediocre job, and I could have cared less until one day my parachute came along and he packed mine for me. So the philosophical question is, who's packing your parachute? See, we wouldn't be where we are today if someone hadn't packed our parachute. Until we humble ourselves before God, he cannot exalt us. I conclude with this, and I invite our musicians and our band to come. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, look at this. It says, this is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You want to take those shackles off? Here is the approach. Rejoice in the Lord. Everything's not all together. Rejoice in the Lord. Having problems in your marriage? Rejoice in the Lord. Having difficulties with your coworkers? Rejoice in the Lord. Not sure how you're going to make it? Rejoice in the Lord. Wondering where it's going to come from next? Rejoice in the Lord. Trying to figure it all out? Rejoice in the Lord. I'm telling you, rejoice. I want us to all stand. Some of you might be thinking, man... I want to take the shackles off in my life. You might be thinking, I don't even know where to begin, Pastor. 
well, can I just tell you, any great move of God that's going to take place starts with repentance. And repentance is simply this. It's not just asking for forgiveness. It's a little bit more than that. But it's saying, in as much as possible, God, I'm submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm turning away from things that don't please you. In other words, it's kind of like, well, I tried this. You know what I said when my repentance started? I was like, well, I didn't tried everything else. I might as well give Jesus a try. And he has not let me down. For somebody else, perhaps you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Baptism is that answer. Perhaps you've never received the baptism of his spirit. Can I tell you? God can fill you or renew you in his spirit today. Just like that. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.